When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. What was your favorite age and why? 651-641-1071. This is the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer. Hello. What was your favorite age and why? 651-641-1071. There's one of those YouGov polls. Uh, that asks the question, which age range represents the best years of your life? And uh, they polled a bunch of people, and they decided that the biggest group, 24%, said their 30s were the best years of their life. Yeah. Uh, and so I just was thinking, like, what was your favorite age? 651-641-1071. And more importantly, why? Poor qua. Let's go to the phones. Beth is on the line. Hi, Beth. Thank Hi, Beth. you for holding. Beth, what was your favorite age and why? Um, 42, and it's just because you feel more settled kind of financially and emotionally. Mm. I like that. 42. Uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Thank you, Beth, for your call. People used to always say to me, you're going to love being in your 40s because by the time you hit your 40s, it's like you're like hitting your stride. Like, you know, stuff you don't care so much about the stuff that doesn't really matter. You're probably like Beth said, a little bit more established. The 40s are fantastic. Nobody gonna break up my stride. Nobody gonna hold me down. Oh no, I got to keep on moving. 15% of people said that their 40s were the best years of their life. Uh, interesting. 651-641-1071. Bradley, what was your favorite age and why? 33, because I loved my 30s. And specifically 33? Yeah, no, that was my Jesus year. That's what I called it. I was very spiritual that year. And um, no, I like I was I felt like I was in a good place yeah. in my life when I was 33. I was moving and shaking mm-hmm. and feeling things and doing things. I for me, it was like 36. I don't oh. know why. In fact, actually, this year when I turned 44, my kids I think, I don't remember, somebody was like, how old are you? And I was like, <laughs> I, when you turn 44, you get to decide what age you want to be. So I decided oh, 36. That's what I nobody, told them. I made that up. You know, whatever. Say, nobody told me that when I was 44. It worked for me. But 36. And I think like part of my, part of it, honestly, is that my kids were uh, at a certain age that was really fun mm-hmm. when I was 36. And, you know, there's this thing that they say, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. I miss the little problems. Sure, yeah. You know, there was that was just kind of a really fun time of life. Yeah, just Let's, wait till they can drive. Ooh. Oh, don't even get me thinking about it because it's happening sooner than I think. Let's go to Donna. Hi, Donna. Donna, what was your favorite age and why? Um, I would say like 23, 24 was my favorite age because I was already a nurse 
but I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids. I had money, and I could just, you know, do stuff. Super fun. I, you know what? I kind of love that. Thank you, Donna. That like freedom and independence of being out of your parents' house but not quite tied down in a relationship or, or, you know, having kids and you kind of just do whatever you feel like doing whenever you feel like doing it. Yeah. At 24. Uh, let's go to Lori. Lori's on the line. Hi, Lori. What was Hi, your, Laura. what was your favorite age and why? Actually 50 and into my early fifties. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. I, uh, started running and really getting into some good shape and, um, it was also a point in my life where I was really, you know, comfortable with who I was. Mm. And if people thought otherwise, you know, that was okay. That was their opinion. Um, you know, just getting comfortable with who I was and um, just being more confident about it. Sure. Yeah. 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 Lori, thank That's you for your deal. call. Also, I'm, you know, thank you for sharing that you started running in your 50s. I think sometimes, you know, people might think if you don't run when you're younger, it's not easy to get started. But, you can really, you know, if you got good knees, do it any old time. Yeah. Seven, I'm sorry, 9% of people on this uh, YouGov, uh, what's it called? Poll, I almost said interview, um, said their 50s were the best years of their lives. Okay. Let's go to Jack. Jack is on the line. Hi, Jack. Hi, Jack. Jack, what was your favorite age and why? Well, I was uh, graduating from college and at 22, I was working in an emergency room on the graveyard shift, and that summer I took a Greyhound bus from Duluth, Minnesota, all the way to San Francisco. So it was adventure and money and Mm. meeting new people. I love meeting new people. That sounds Sounds great. Thank you for your call. The only part about that that didn't sound super fun was working the graveyard shift. Yeah. But I'm glad that that made him happy. Yeah. Uh, Holly, what was... Oh, she's on the phone now. Fine. Um, fine. fine. Like how you're like, uh, how dare you? <laughs> no, fine. If you're going to be that way, all phone answer. Fine. Only one percent of people said their 80s would represent the best years so of that's their life. Because only one percent of the people they interviewed were in their 80s. Yeah, there right. was like one lady. She's like, I love my 80s because I made it. Well, I'm I will. Here. Say, I will say a lot of the people who were interviewed were not in any. They were sort of guessing when they thought they would be in the best years of their life. Listen, I. If I'm being honest, I've loved every age for different reasons, right? Like there are there are good parts of every decade of your life, right? I mean, depends on the decade sure. of your life cuz I honestly can tell you I was not a fan of most of the decades before my 30s. Okay. But that makes sense. I mean, yes, there were happy moments within right. those, sure, but like Or like when you I look I would never pick a particular year. Right. But when you look back in retrospect, there are things that you learned and gained that are the things that brought you into your 30s to have the kind of... Sure, yeah. You know, so like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we all have had, we all have those times of life where you're like, wouldn't want to repeat that at all. But all the things you gained and learned from that, you carry forward into the other decades and they're part of what makes the, you know, my your 30s or whatever. Great. Dina's on the line. (laughs) Hi, Dina. Dina, what was your favorite age and why? Well, I'm 58 now, and so far I would say the 50s are the best. And as you said, there's great things about every decade. But I think until the 60s and 70s, it's always going to be the one I'm in. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Until we get the physical decline. Yeah. It just keeps getting better, especially the grandchildren thing. I am telling you guys. Oh, 
It's the greatest. Dina, this is why I had children, so I can have grandchildren. I know, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your call, Dina. No, I do love my children. Uh, They are wonderful. I look forward to grandchildren as well, should I be so lucky. I well, I would Thank imagine you very much. it's going to happen you at some know. point. You never know. No pressure, but it would <laughs> yeah. be nice. I hope they're not listening. Hey, kids, get busy. <laughs> no, Maybe don't wait. actually. Don't you're, wait a little while. You're all very young. Um, that said, uh, I will be happy even if my grandchildren are animals. Holly, do you have a favorite age? I would say like mid twenties. Yeah. 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 Why for? Why? Because it was like, yeah, I'm fully an adult. I'm doing it, yeah. doing exciting things. And it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I feel like, too, for me, the younger I was and independent, the lower the stakes felt. You know what I mean? Like, you go through this, like, sweet spot between leaving your parents' house yeah. and, like, becoming independent, having, like, a good job, having a bank account that will support you. And, like, taking on the responsibility of, like, realizing that you should probably start saving for retirement, etc. There's, like, a small window where you just are, like, everything's good right now. I'm living in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's a, such a small window, That was window, in your though. 20s, you felt like? For me, probably, actually, honestly, it was probably, yeah, my, my mid to late 20s, probably, yeah. for me. Um, because I started having kids in my 20s. Mm. So... That's how that worked. Then, like, forget it. Then, like, you, you're responsible for other things. Yeah, and it's not that's as, a whole different It's not as fun. I gotta level. feed these. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, in so many ways. I have to make food for them with my body. I have to buy food with my money. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, um, I want to I talk about a story that we talked about yesterday. Have, so the Chrissy Teigen apology has sort of like rippled out. So there's all kinds of like wet, like uh, what's it called? Tentacles mm-hmm. coming from it. And we talked about a story about a guy named Michael Costello yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a development on that story. And mm-hmm. I'll refresh your memory on that story and tell you what the development is when we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this uh, story about Chrissy Teigen and her apology has tentacles that I didn't even, like, you couldn't have even predicted. Uh, it's just spreading out in weird ways. This is the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com, everything entertainment. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer. Hello. Hello. So yesterday, uh, we told a story. So, okay. Let's just take it back to Monday. On Monday, we got an apology. We were treated to an apology written on Medium.com by Chrissy Teigen. Uh, She was talking about some of the behaviors, some of the things she had said, uh, things that she had tweeted, things she had done in earlier years that she was feeling remorse for, that she wanted to apologize for. Um, we sort of talked about that a little bit and then, you know, people came forward and they were like, well, she hasn't, she said she was going to reach out to people directly. Some people said, you know, she hadn't reached out to them yet. Well, one of the people who we'd never even heard from was a person who was on Project Runway. His name is Michael Costello. And he told a story about a time that a, uh, racial slur was wrongly attributed to him by a disgruntled former employee, but Chrissy Teigen glommed onto it and 
single-handedly tried to ruin his career and was moderately successful at it. In fact, actually, both he and his mother have spoken publicly about the fact that he was having suicidal ideation, that he was really struggling around the way that she, well, didn't she interfered with his career. Take his own life? Or oh, he something? did. Yes, yeah, she did. She... um she said, good, racist people like you deserve to suffer and die. You might as well be dead. Your career is over. Just watch. Which is just horrible. Well, what is interesting to me is, again, like this story takes these bizarre sort of turns that you aren't expecting. Leona Lewis, who is a British singer, she had a big hit called Bleeding Love um, a few years ago. Um, but I think she's still very successful in the U.K., Well, she now has come forward and she says she's accusing Michael Costello of humiliating her at a charity event in 2014. She says that Michael Costello refused to alter a dress to fit her for a fashion show. Uh, She claims that she was relegated to sit in the audience after Michael Costello, who said she says was uh, assigned as her designer, didn't show up to the fitting the night before and then offered no explanation. Uh, And she says that she doesn't discount Michael Costello's experience with Chrissy Teigen, but she says she's speaking up because, quote, the pot calling the kettle black in this situation doesn't sit right with me. And what is interesting about this is that this is sort of like the, the new life that the story takes, right? It's that the person who was the victim comes forward and says, I was victimized by this person. And then somebody else comes out of the woodwork and says, but the victim is also the perpetrator. Yeah, and now we'll hear somebody come out and talk about, well, uh, Leona Lewis one time looked at me right. the wrong way. Right. So this is the, I mean, it just, what it, what it, I don't know. Honestly, like my first impression of this story was like, oh gosh, this will be the never ending cycle, right? If we're going to be calling everybody on all their stuff. Well, I also wouldn't imagine, or wouldn't imagine, I would imagine rather that, um, Look, I don't know anything about specifically these people, but you got to believe that in some world there are people close to Chrissy Teigen that are like, oh, we need to, you know, support Chrissy Teigen in this moment. And I don't know if Leona Lewis knows Chrissy Teigen mm-hmm. and thought like, well, I'm going to share this and maybe this will help give some perspective or something like I wouldn't be surprised by that because uh, but, you know, in the same case, maybe the same is true for people that feel supportive of Michael Costello. It's just like you've got these celebrities who have public followings and they're trying to protect their public image. And so, you know, I imagine they're trying to come up with all sorts of ways to do that. I don't know. This is so like, is anybody actually paying attention at this level other than us? Well, yeah, Uh, apparently TMZ seems to think so, right? Because they're the ones that put the story out. Yeah, no, I'm not saying like, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's not worth paying attention to. I'm just saying, like, at what point does this just sort of end up benefiting people lower down on the food chain? Right. No, that's and a good not, point. And it's not actually resolving anything that got us here in the first place. I mean, the first, it doesn't resolve anything about Chrissy Teigen. Hmm. And it certainly doesn't resolve anything about uh, the story that Michael Costello shared. It's sure an, sure, an interesting sideshow, but I don't know. Because sure, like, I'm sure there are people that have come into contact with Leona Lewis who didn't like her. Right. And the, and the I guess the problem, I problem is not maybe the right word. The thing that I would pick at about this is that the story about Chrissy Teigen, the original story was a pattern of behavior that she um, bullied many people. Yeah. The story about Michael Costello as a victim then becomes about a one person that was done wrong by him, not a pattern of behavior. Yeah, no, necessarily. absolutely. And so to your point, it starts to kind of detract from the the real story, which is Chrissy Teigen's apology for like really blazing a trail of destruction in people's lives. And it sort of minimizes then Michael Costello's experience when Leona Lewis says he was a real jerk to me. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. I totally I mean, I totally agree. Yeah. But it again, it's this is why we can't just get a job done. <laughs> right now <laughs> yes i i think the chrissy Teigen story is valid uh, valid and valuable in mm-hmm. the sense that it does represent what i think has attracted people is that it represents a pattern of behavior but i also keep coming back to this whole thing that like the reason that chrissy Teigen is so popular uh or has such a, a popular is not even the word because like now it's like she's got a lot of people who would consider themselves fans of her, mm-hmm. but there are also a lot of people that consider themselves anti-fans of her. Right. And I think her reason for attracting her fan base is interesting, mm-hmm. but also interesting how her anti-fans are being attracted to her, because I think that those are two different things. Right. Right. Like the people who hate Chrissy Teigen there's, I would imagine, a very specific pattern behind those people. Um, but therefore, this story then happens, right? Like the revealing of this pattern of behavior. And you're going to have people on one side who are trying to maybe, whether it's defend her or rationalize or understand. Right. You know? um, and then you've got people on the other side who just want to keep needling her regardless of whether there's a valid point to be made or not. Right. That's where I think we are right now. It's just like we're in the midst of this like brush fire of celebrity. Um, yeah. And this is like a spark, messiness. a spark that escaped like the main fire. Yeah, and, and now starting it's burning another down another here. building. Yeah, it just is. Uh, anyway, stay tuned because uh, no doubt there will be more of these. Oh, to come. Yeah. 
I feel like somebody's going to talk about Leona Lewis tomorrow. Right? Oh boy. Like I'll watch one for time. It. I'm on it, guys. Right. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, celebrities behaving badly, we call them Demons. We'll tell you about them after this on My Talk 1071. Celebrities behaving badly. I love to tell you. We do. We both love to tell you about them on the Colleen and Bradley show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer. Hello there, ladies. We do have a name for these celebrities behaving badly. What is that name, Bradley? It's called the thing with the thing. I think it's called a D-bag. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Who's your D-bag, Bradley? Fergie. Like Fergalicious? Fergalicious. I said Fergalicious. Um, No, Fergie. Yeah, Fergie. Fergie Ferg. Countess of Duchess of York. Oh, that Fergie. Sarah Ferguson. Sarah Ferguson. Mm -hmm. Um, Is she reading to children again? Oh, well, I hope not because she has announced uh, an update on her new romance novel. What? Wait for it. With a very personal touch. Do you want to be personally touched by Sarah Ferguson? Not really. Her Heart for a Compass. What? Will be released on August 3rd by Mills and Boone at WH Smith. In an Instagram story, she said, Hello to all that visit WH Smith. Excellent. It's so exciting. I'm delighted to let you know that you can now... I don't know, she got Scottish all of a sudden. <laughs> that you can now purchase... She's sign, a leprechaun. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> That you can now purchase signed copies of my sweeping historical compass. What? No, wait. I'm sorry. Sweeping historical romance. <laughs> it's oh, called geez. Her Heart for a Compass. Oh, Her heart? Her heart, heart for, for a, a compass. compass. Okay, because I was like, oh, maybe that could be a little more... Is this about Sharna Burgess and yeah, <laughs> Brian compass? No, but also, did you hear the hint here? Uh, period drama? <laughs> no. Was that in there? No, I didn't okay. say anything about a period drama. Oh, okay, because I could have given her some notes. Uh, <laughs> um, uh. With a very personal touch. What? Tell me what that means. Okay, well, it means two things. First of all, this is her b- debut novel. Now, you know she's written, I think, countless children's uh, yes. books, right? Mm-hmm. She reads know, them actually. on her YouTube channel. She reads channel. children's books. But didn't she write? She's written children's books, right, Holly? I think so. I don't uh, know why yes, I think but, Holly knows that. Well, but. because she is the person behind such characters as Budgie the Helicopter. Right? Yeah. Uh, her day but novel is a fictional account of the life of her great great aunt Lady Margaret Montague Douglas Scott, because all fancy oh, people got many names. Lots of names. Um so that's the first personal touch. So she's writing about like a fictional account of her great great aunt, a duchess, right? Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, she was a lady. I don't know what her actual title was. Is lady under a duchess? Lady is just a title. So okay. a duchess could would be called lady, right? Like okay. any fancy titled lady would be called lady, right? Or Dame? No, that's like if you're not. I don't know. It's I don't so know. I'm not British. I'm not British. The dame so is the equivalent of a sir. Okay. A knight. Lady like is a knight just like yeah. Lady Jane Grey. Anyway, during the research for this novel, now this is the other personal Ooh. touch. Sarah drew inspiration from her heritage and life experiences, much of which involved her ex-husband Prince Andrew. No, I. Mm. The only reason I'm interested Ew. is if. If she spills some tea about Prince Andrew, I'm in. 
Do Even you want to think about tea. her getting like no. sexy with Prince Andrew? No, but I want to think about her reacting to his, uh, you know, extramarital activities, shenanigans. Yeah, uh, but I don't think that's what we're going to read. Teenage girls at a pizza place what yeah um she may have uh it says despite getting divorced a decade later the couple remained close and even lived together at the royal lodge in windsor so bizarre she may have drawn upon these experiences in the scandal-filled days of the 90s when her breakup and that of prince charles and diana's played out in the public eye mm-hmm. anyway she they do describe her as a best-selling memoirist and children's book author it is likely this experience helped her write her current book <laughs> I just thought she could do a better job of maybe advertising it. Oh, yeah. by the way, do better, honey. Budgie the little helicopter. Yes, she also launched her YouTube series, as we all know, called Story Time with Fergie and Friends. Mm-hmm. I'd like to read my favorite line in this entire article. Yeah, uh, talking about her uh, YouTube channel, readings of my family fart book and Slug in Love by Rachel <laughs> Bright both attracted less than one thousand views. Yeah. Which, by the way, we have actually pointed out many of her videos on her YouTube channel have like less than 150 views. Well, now it seems like they're boosting. Perhaps she's onto the scene and has gotten herself some bots. Boy, she's done a lot of work to get on the scene. Hello, I'm Steph Ferguson. I'm sitting here with some crazy outfit on my face and reading books. I'm reading the rainbow blots. (laughs) I'm reading about farts. She didn't actually. I don't think she wrote the fart book, though. No, it's Aww. that's by Rachel Bright. Rachel Bright wrote yeah. the fart book. My family fart book. Well, that's a thing. Yeah, apparently it is. My I don't know what that means. Fart book. Scratch and sniff. Okay, stop it. What? You're kidding me right now. Well, when, as I was, yeah, scratch and sniff family fart book. No. Well, that's something I would totally buy my nephews. Not this scratch and sniff my family fart book edition is filled with a windy family and their lovely smelling bottom burps. Each spread has a large <laughs> flap no. to lift, scratch no. the surface to reveal the smell. Well, I am ordering that book right now. She's also reading this book called Hugo's Runaway Legs. And what? then the legs don't have any pants on them. So you just see oh, the butt. No, 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 oh, that's no. Cute. I do love the idea <laughs> no. of a scratch and sniff fart book. It's only six ninety nine. Should I order it? I mean, I don't know what I don't care what you do with yourself. <laughs> you live your life. No, no. Okay, a I'm going to deal the, with that it's, later. It's a certified lift the flap book. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't but even it know. Lift farts. The flap. Hey, lift the flap. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, it's, be, it's they're for toddlers. You yeah, know? it's one of those big chunky books where they so can lift it tell up. you something. Like the last <laughs> thing you need to do with kids is like get them talking more about bodily functions. Yeah. Trust me. I mean, they'll I think, think those, it's funny, those but books like are more for the parents. Don't you think? Oh, probably. Oh, look, it's like got a picture of a monkey starts to do a fart. It smells of bananas. Bless his heart. Oh, and I bet when you scratch the thing, it, it smells, smells like, like bananas, bananas. Mm-hmm. or banana farts, which would be kind of hilarious. Also, that's that's manipulating children into mm-hmm. false assumptions about what is really happening. Thank yeah, because don't you just want to make them? They're going to want to fart then. Like, it smells like bananas. They're going to want to eat flowers. Yeah. yeah. Don't do that, kids. Some aren't edible. Some are. Thanks, Lady Fergie. What? Who's your D-bag? Kevin Hart. 
Oh, what did Kevin Hart do? So he uh, decided that he needed to school some people. Uh-oh. And he did it via Twitter. He clapped that's always a, That's always a good place. Yeah, he was a back clapper. Um, he began his very lengthy tri- Twitter rant uh, by saying, sometimes you got to sit back and laugh at some of the bleep you hear, and I hear it all. And then he said, I got time today. And then he told people what's what. He was trying to talk to haters that tell him he's not funny. Oh, I love when really successful people with a large audience um, come after trolls. Right? Tell me more. Yeah, it's so this good. This is a good use of your time. Exactly. The he's not funny slander is the best. This is for you. I have three stand-up comedy specials that fall in the top 10 highest grossing comedy specials of all time. Two of my specials are in the top three of all time. I have been the highest grossing comedian in entertainment for years now. I've also been the highest grossing comedian in the box office with over $4 billion in earnings. I've also turned my comedic talent into a place of business and branding and radio and other revenue streams. The hate slash slander fuels me to do more. You guys, anyway, anyway, at the end, he says, J. Cole said it best. If you're laughing at a millionaire, the joke's on you. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. So he basically just like shamed us all. Not even. Not us. Well, he shamed everybody for what a few people have said. Yeah. Right. And he used it as an opportunity to boost his own. Yeah. Self. Yeah. My own. It is exactly what you said, Bradley. It is when a person who has many, many followers responds to what a very, very few are saying. All that. It doesn't tell me anything about the haters but it tells me everything I need to know about the person. Yeah, because it would seem predictable that you're always going to have somebody, you know, saying dumb things and they probably don't even know or care about you. They're just like taking cheap shots because. Yeah. Isn't it always just easy? Like when you're a big target to take cheap shots uh, at you. But like to the audience that loves you, what have you displayed? Right. That you mm. just are have really thin skin. Yeah. And that you are going to pay attention to the people who don't say nice things rather than paying attention to the people who compliment you. Yeah. That's what's frustrating about it. And what do we always say? Don't feed Feed the the trolls. trolls. Mm -mm. But now there's a whole culture. I mean, I have seen that culture heavily take root in this world. Like you, you are now like people will, will praise you for taking on trolls. So then it becomes this like circular thing of like, oh, I want to get some of that. So then I'm going to find a troll and then I'm going to go after them. I just, I'm going to be a troll this slayer. Is why, this yeah. is why social media is turning into a terrible turning. place. Turning. Mm. It was built that uh, Can yeah. I, um, can I, can I circle back to our royal conversation and say yes. a great big thank you to Joni who has emailed us? Joni Mitchell? Thanks, yes, Joni Mitchell. Wow, I love your music. Uh, has, um, has emailed us from a parking lot. Oh. Um, she paved paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, here you go, says Joni. Oh, not I was Joni like, Mitchell. Is she really in a parking lot? No. What a coincidence. No. Hey, okay, she says, here you go. Dukes and duchesses are addressed with their actual title as they are the highest grade of rank next to prince, princess, king, queen. All other ranks of the peerage have the appellation lord or lady. Non-hereditary life peers are also addressed as lord or lady. Mm. Good to know. Thank so you. So fitting, Jimmy. Lady D bag. Lady G bag. And then she said, "There's the Earl Grey tea." Oh, I like that. That was cute. Oh, Thank you. Spilled you. She spilled that tea. 
All right. When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, we have another D bag. We're going to have a little D bag double down after this on My Talk 1071. Thank you, Holly. This is the Colleen and Bradley show on My Talk 1071. Streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything entertainment. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer. And uh, sometimes we have some extra D-bag that we need to deal with. And today we have one of those. We call it a D-bag double down. Clean up. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. (laughs) Who's that D-bag trainer? Candace Cameron Bure. Hooray for Bure. Here's a headline for you from Us Weekly exclusive. Candace Cameron Bure says her and her husband's PDA. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Grosses out her kids. We censor ourselves. What? Jeez. Oh, behind closed doors, Candace Cameron Bure keeps her three kids away from her and her husband's public displays of affection. I'm sorry, we've all been there for her public displays of affection. So Exclusive. how is she keeping them Okay, stars. so we love to poke fun at Candace Cameron Bure because sometimes she's just a little extra, mm-hmm. right? She's a lot. Mm-hmm. She tries to like... It, it, okay, listen, quote, I actually censor myself a lot more because I do understand it grosses out my children. So sometimes when we very innocently tease them... Um, or excuse me. So sometimes we very innocently tease them just with kissing and stuff. They're like, please take it somewhere else. Okay. So <laughs> she's saying like they don't get real steamy in front of the kids. Okay. Well, that's probably a good thing. I was going to say. Congratulations. Isn't that like what most parents do? Well, like, okay, hold on, hold on. Because the alternative is, let's be real. Like they kiss in front of their kids. But they don't do more, which again is appropriate wow. because That's appropriate the alternative behavior. would be like they start feeling each other oh, up. I'm just dry. <laughs> or that, you know? Yeah, give an old dad the dry hump oh. on the couch. Oh. Like, hey, kids, we really like oh, each other. I didn't other. know you were here. Yeah. Mom. Okay, anyway, she goes on to say, and I just want to read this. Uh, for so many times especially in the beginning but for a few years i would have sex with my husband like oh my gosh god is looking at me and i'm like is that bad it's very difficult to flip that switch and it has taken years to work through and then understand it and enjoy it now i embrace it so much and my kids are like mom please stop talking about sex please stop so i'm Mm -hmm. so confused like are like what is the thing that you're trying to get so Take all of that, right? My thing is like, you know, like I think appropriate sexual conversation with your children is 
is healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Like Appropriate. you don't talk about your, I mean, it's up to you. Like everybody has their thing, but I'm saying, I think there is space for an appropriate conversation yeah. about healthy sexuality with your children. Absolutely. And, and, and hiding your sexuality from your children is probably not a good idea, but it's like, I, it's not even the conversation that she's having. Cause like, I'm not a prude, but I'm also not against prudes. I'm pro prude. Mm-hmm. I'm, Anti-prude, like I, I want people to do what's comfortable for them. Like I'm not a, trying to get into her living room with her children and tell her how she should be. Mm-hmm. But it's this signaling thing that she's doing. It's the communication of it to, 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 in this case, Us Weekly, where I think she's trying to say something very specific about what you, what is appropriate and what is not. That I'm very confused by because I'm like, are you saying that like making out with your husband in front of your kids? is like a bad thing um like what what is the message you're right. actually what trying are, to what say what is it that you're what's what are you trying to communicate because, what's in between all the because words because like when you say mom please talking about sex like well how are you talking about sex in front of your kids that's making them say please stop right mm-hmm. because that is that is an interesting i would like to have that conversation but also don't you get the impression with her that she's trying to play this role where she's like i'm cool and i talk about sex i do the sex which is to say that a lot of people like me don't do those things. That is very Christian. I'm going to use her term Christian because she's talking on a specific podcast about um, Christianity Mm -hmm. where that, so she's trying to signal that she's like more maybe open about that stuff in a way that her peers are not. I have so many things. I have so many things. I'm trying to decide where to start. We've only got five and a half minutes. Here's the first thing I'll start with is this. This feels very similar to Suzanne Summers in the sense that there is some message you're trying to give the world about who you are as a sexual being yeah. that is much more about you than it is about us. It's about like how you want to be perceived, maybe. Yeah. But then there's this other thing that that kind of just fries me on a number of different levels. And it's this sort of notion that if you are a person who is uh, religious... Uh, that you have to deny that sex is a thing or that sex isn't okay or that there's like, I don't understand. I really don't or understand also that it. it's like edgy to be like, I'm going to make out with my husband in front of like that thing. Because I, I think it's again, it's like she's signaling at what she is, which she's trying to be a little more like edgy than what kind she of- thinks the people around her Think of her as I don't know. Right, it's like almost like she's trying to give them the message, like this is a gift, and you know we share it, and blah blah blah. But there's a way to do that without putting yourself out on display in this way. It's a, it's just a weird, it's a strange window into her perception of how she's perceived. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I always get the impression with Candace Cameron Bure that she feels attacked. Always. Yeah. And, and she's always on and, the and, defense from attacks honestly, that we're not launching. I th- well, I think the attacks come from her perceived fellow religious community, mm-hmm. right? Like that she's too out there or she seems to be very defensive of her position in that community in that she has to like defend it in a way, which is also interesting when you take into account. And I, I like normally wouldn't care that much about. I don't really care about anybody's, you know, chosen religion or spirituality, but like in her, the context of her family, you know, we also have her brother who is very public and she has been very public about, 
you know, that part of her life. So I wonder if there's like a weird tension for people that because I get the impression that her brother is a little more conservative than she is. Or at least, yes. And I, I, I actually don't disagree with conservative. That. I don't mean politically. Right. I just mean like religiously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're probably right. And I actually like I there's this piece of me that wishes I could be a fly on the wall at their Thanksgiving dinners. Yeah. Where the two of them, meaning Kirk Cameron and Candace Cameron Bure, talk about their faith and religion, because I bet there is some tension there. Um, well, she's I mean, like, I, I don't feel like Kirk Cameron would think it's appropriate to talk to us weekly about anything. And she is, you know, very much has them on speed dial. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, she's an interesting. She's been doing a very interesting thing because here's the other thing. Well, I suppose she is. She did Full House, the reboot of Full House, and she does do a whole bunch of Hallmark specials. Because what I was going to say is, why are we even talking about her at all? She's mm-hmm. very well. She wants to be very mainstream in that yeah. way. Again, that her brother doesn't. Also, she goes on this whole thing about how. Um, her daughter can borrow her clothes, but she's not going to borrow her daughter's clothes because they're a little too short, and a little too tight. And doesn't, again, just everything come back to like, you just end up going, what What are we talking about? You know about? what that reminds what me of? What are we doing? Remember the family photo? Oh, right. Yeah. But then do you remember this? Do you remember when she was on um, Dancing with the Stars? When Candace Cameron Bure was a contestant on Dancing with the Stars. Vaguely. One of the things that they made a big deal about was her costuming choices because she wanted to be covered in a way that others maybe weren't. And so mm. she was very particular mm-hmm. about because she has an image to yeah. uphold. Some modesty. As a person of but faith. Like the fact right. that that needs to be spoken or like publicly displayed that again, it's about this signaling thing, right. right? Like you're not just doing it because that's the way you believe. Like right. again, which I don't care about. Like if you have a religious obligation to wear certain clothing, you know, that's what you what you do. But or whatever your reason is, right? Yeah. Like if if it's because you're insecure about the size of or shape of a part of your body and therefore you want to cover it up, that to me is just as valid as saying, like, I just don't feel comfortable. But it's the putting it out there to the world that makes you want, know that they are wanting you to perceive them in a certain way. Yeah. An interesting headline from 2014 when Candace Cameron Bure was on Dancing with the Star where she talks about being, quote, sexual yet conservative. Yeah. It's like so, this has been part of her brand. Which is who told you you couldn't. Which goes back to my very first conversation, which is like this whole idea that you cannot be sexual and religious that I don't know where that came from. You wouldn't have very much religion if you didn't have a lot of sex. That's how we keep creating people. I'm not. I don't want to like give away the whole secret, y'all. But secret? that's spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler mm-hmm. alert. How it happens when we return on the Colleen and Bradley show. What's who? Sorry, who is your favorite TV parent? Six five one six four one one zero seven one. We'll take your calls after this on my talk one zero seven one.